This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Father Brett Kroll. So I was reflecting on the gospel story this week about uh, sheep and shepherds, and, and I was remembering a time a few years back when, when my girls were younger, before the age when they could understand abstract reasoning, and they were asking me about what a lie was. And so I tried to explain it to them, and they weren't quite getting it. So then I thought, well, maybe if I tell them a story, uh, they'll be able to, to grasp the concept. So I thought of the story of the boy who cries wolf, the boy who's out uh, with his sheep in the countryside. And for a practical joke, he cries wolf, and the whole village comes running. There's no wolf. They go back. He does it again. He's laughing. Then a third time, a wolf actually comes. And when he cries, of course, the village thinks he's just lying. Well, it worked, and they, they understood the concept of, of lying. And also, probably for a good long while, they were utterly convinced that if they did lie, they would be devoured by wolves, as the little boy had. And I did not immediately modify this understanding. I let it sit for a while. So as I was thinking about that folktale, it made me realize how strange that setting feels to us, a faraway time and a faraway place where, where a boy might be out in the countryside facing possible and imminent danger every day as he simply goes about his everyday duties. And, and I just was reflecting, wow, that's, that's not like our life. We're not constantly in imminent danger and feeling physically that our lives are at stake. And even if in the last few weeks you have begun to think more about your physical safety, uh, it pro- probably just highlights the, the fact that this is not normal for us. We're really concerned that imminent danger is lying just around the corner. And I would venture a guess that if we're usually not too concerned about our physical safety, probably even less are we concerned about our spiritual safety. Do we have any notion that we are in constant and imminent spiritual danger? And so this morning, Jesus comes to us in in this passage And also from the epistle that we heard read from 1 Peter with a call to be watchful and discerning because among all the voices that we're hearing in the world, there's only one voice that we can fully trust. And indeed, in our story today, Jesus gives us a warning that we are in spiritual danger. He gives us hope that there is a way through this spiritual danger. And we are left then with this exhortation to be watchful. So we're going to talk about the warning. We're also going to hear about the way and then what it means to be watchful. All right, so open your your Bible to John 10 if it's not there already. Verse 1, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, the man is a thief and a robber. So Jesus begins his extended metaphor telling us that the world that we live in is filled with danger and that we are like the helpless sheep. And again, from our first Peter reading, be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, resist him standing firm in the faith, were the words we heard from the epistle of Peter. So there's a spiritual battle for your soul. There are forces at work in the world that want to devour your soul, seeking any means available to them to do so. 
This is a call to be watchful and discerning because among all the voices in the world vying for your soul, that is for your allegiance, there's only one voice that you can fully trust. Now much of this spiritual battle of which Jesus is speaking, much of this battle takes place on the field of ideas where we are seeking to understand what is good, what is valuable, what is right, what is true, as opposed to what is false, what is wrong, what is worthless, and even what is evil. And we are constantly being influenced in this realm, on this battlefield of ideas. So every movie or TV show that you watch, every news article you read, every news source that you frequent, Every book you read, every piece of art that you enjoy, every song that you hear, every blog post you read, every class that you take, all of these contain a message or messages. And behind these messages is a set of beliefs and values about what is good, right, and true. And I don't need to tell you that there's not clarity, that it's a cacophony, that these voices and these messages are competing Yes, even this sermon is a message. And behind it are values about what is good, right, and true. And every voice, every director of a movie, every, every author, composer, every writer is seeking to either purposefully or not purposefully to, to persuade you, to convert you to their set of values and beliefs. And again, some are doing this uh, with a persuasive piece. They're doing it explicitly. Others, it's implicit. But even if you make a movie and your purpose is just to have you know, a fun movie that makes a lot of money, behind that movie is a set of values. And you're hoping, of course, that those who watch the movie will, will come to share that set of values. In a world full of competing voices, all carrying their own agenda and message, how do we make sense of it? Who do we trust? Furthermore, as we look at John 10 more closely, we see that Jesus warns that the enemy has many servants. That is to say, the enemy can take many different forms. So let's take a look more closely now at John chapter 10. In verse 1, uh, we see first on the list of servants of the enemy are thieves and robbers. So as we read already, Jesus warns that those who do not enter by the door but climb in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Now later on in verse 7 and 8, Jesus is going to be even more clear. He's, he's going to say, I am the door. So let's read 7 and 8. Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So the thieves and the robbers are those voices and those ideas in the world that openly oppose Jesus, that avoid him, that clearly contradict and are contrary to the teachings and the way of Jesus. Those are, are the thieves and the robbers. Next on the list are the strangers and the hired hands. So now look at, at verse 5. A stranger, the sheep will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. And now down to verse 12 and 13. The one who's a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees. 
And the wolf then snatches the flock and scatters them. So the strangers and the hired hands, they don't know the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. They're not invested in the welfare of the sheep. And they're certainly not going to put their own neck on the line for anybody but themselves. It's sad when you see a young person who's rebelling against his or her parents, who are good parents. Someone who has terrible, awful parents, we might understand why they would rebel. But when a young person is rebelling against good parents, we look on and we want to say, okay, but the people that you're wanting to follow, the crowd that you're so desperately wanting to be with, would they really lay down their life for you? Because you know that your mom and your dad would lay down their, they would give up their life for you if they had to. But the strangers and the hired hands, they don't know the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. And when it comes to the ultimate test, they will not put themselves, they will not put the sheep in front of themselves. and Instead, they will take care of themselves at the expense of the sheep. Last on the list is the wolf. Verse 12, again, there's the hired hand and he flees. Why? Because he sees there's another servant of the enemy coming, a wolf who snatches the sheep and scatters the flock. Now, in other parts of the New Testament, uh, wolves are linked to false prophets and false teachers. In, in Matthew 7, Jesus says, beware of false prophets. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And likewise, in Acts 20, when, Jesus, when uh, Paul is bidding farewell to the Ephesian leaders, he says, after I depart, Wolves will come in among you from your own number. And he's speaking to the leaders of the Ephesian church. So the wolf stands for false teachers from within. Those who take the name of Christian leader and teacher. Notice how Jesus describes that the wolf is in and among. He comes among the sheep. Now, some people's faith, and perhaps this has happened to you, gets really shaken, rattled uh, when we see a Christian leader who fails big time or who leaves the faith completely. And we get, we get mad and we say things like, the church is just a, a church full of a bunch of hypocrites. And on the one hand, that reaction is, is understandable. But on the other hand, instead of shaking our faith, I wonder if it might actually strengthen our faith. And here's why. Because the New Testament tells us to expect this. The New Testament is not surprised that this has happened. In fact, Jesus said there will be weeds in among the wheat. There will be wolves in among the sheep, false shepherds masquerading as true shepherds. So when that happens, when the next Christian leader falls away, be sad. It's a tragedy. But don't be shocked or shaken because Jesus said it would be so. So there are thieves and there are robbers. There's the strangers and the hired hands. There, there are wolves. In the face of so much danger, we are to be alert. We are to be aware, but we're not to be afraid if we are with the shepherd. For if he does give us warning about the spiritual danger that we're in, he also gives us a way through it safely. 
So we've talked about the warning. Let's talk about the way through the danger. So the good news is, of course, that even though we are in the midst of danger, and even though we're among competing voices, and even though there is only one voice that we can be truly confident and trust in, yet the good news is there is one voice we can trust. There is the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd. Now, the idea of people as sheep is one of the favorite metaphors of the Bible uh, for, for two reasons. One, sheep were extremely valuable. One sheep was, very, was worth a lot. Second, uh, sheep were also very helpless. So I, I hope that encourages you that you're very valuable. I hope that sobers you that you are very helpless. Indeed, sheep are helpless. They're not fast. They have no natural protection unless you count all that wool. And you would hope that the lion pursuing them just has a texture aversion, takes a bite and says, oh, I just can't stand all that wool in my mouth. But other than that, they have no defenses. They're defenseless. They are rather stupid and they can't see all that well. Defenseless, vulnerable, we are in danger and we need a good and trustworthy guide, protector and provider. Now let's look at verses 10 through 15 and let's see there are three reasons why Jesus says, you can trust me that I will be your guide and protector and provider. Here are the reasons why. So verse 10, contrasting with the thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus says, I came that the sheep may have life and have it abundantly. So he's, he's on our side. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The one who's a hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep. Therefore, he's not invested. He doesn't care about their welfare. He sees the wolf coming. He leaves. He, he runs away. The wolf scatters. He flees because he's a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14, Jesus reiterates, I am the good shepherd. And he says, I know my own. And my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and then repeats once more, again, I lay down my life for the sheep. So in these verses, the, the three reasons that Jesus gives to us why we can trust him with our life is first, he's the owner of the sheep. They belong to him. Again, they're, the sheep are incredibly valuable and he wants to protect his sheep. He cares about them. We know that Jesus is our owner because he's our maker. The Bible says that all things, including ourselves, were made through him and for him. But not only is our maker, the Bible says he's our redeemer, that when we had gotten lost, Revelation 5 says, with his own blood, he purchased us, he ransomed us, he bought us back to make us a kingdom of priests from every tribe, nation, people, and language. So not only did he make us, and he is our owner, but then he went and he ransomed us back. He is our owner. We are his possession. Therefore, we can trust him. He cares about our welfare. Second reason that Jesus gives is he says he knows the sheep. I know the sheep. I know my own, and my own know me. Jesus knows you. He knows your hurts and your pains. He knows your hopes 
and your desires. He knows you better than you know yourself. And in knowing you, he cares for you and he loves you. And the third reason that Jesus gives, he repeats it twice. He says, you can trust me because I will lay down my life for you. Now, Jesus is not a sheep. He's not defenseless. But for your sake, when he was attacked by our enemies, he did not defend himself. He made himself vulnerable to the thieves and the robbers. He let himself become prey to the wolf. Indeed, as gruesome as it is and unusual, it couldn't be more gruesome than the cross itself. He allowed himself to be devoured by the wolf so that we, the sheep, could get away free from harm. Our good shepherd became the lamb who was slain to take away the sin of the sheep. And he alone has done this. Verse 9, he says, I am the door. He switches metaphors briefly here from shepherd to door in order to point out the singularity. I'm the only one who's done this. I'm the only way to life, to come in and out and to find good pasture and to find life. I am the door. I alone. I'm the only one that you can fully trust. So Jesus gives us warning of danger. But then Jesus tells us that there is a way through that danger. Indeed, he himself is the way. And now, what is our part? What are we, the sheep, supposed to do? We are to be watchful and discerning, to test everything, to test every voice, every message we hear, to understand that your enemy seeks to lead you astray by any means available to him. Again, from 1 Peter 5, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour someone. And the wise sheep knows, I'm helpless. I can't run fast. And even though sheep are defenseless and they can't see all that well, a sheep can hear. And the wise sheep stays very close to the shepherd flees from every other voice. But be ready. When you are wise, when you're practicing discernment, and because of this, you flee from strangers. You flee from those ideas, from those leaders, from those thought leaders who would lead you away from the voice of Jesus. When you do that, when you flee from the stranger and the robber, the world will accuse you of being fear-driven, and narrow-minded. Just recently, I was, I was reading a musician who has Christian roots and, and made Christian music for a time, and, and now she describes herself as being on a spiritual journey that we could say is somewhat more expansive in its value set. In her own words, she says, part of my dream is that people wouldn't be so scared and afraid. I know a lot of people are still in this very conservative fundamental bubble, and they can be so afraid to break out of that fear of what will happen to their lives. As I said earlier, we don't have to be afraid if we are with Jesus, but we have to be sober. And that's going to look like fear to a lot of other people. And you will be called small and fearful for being sober and watchful. Just get used to that. 
But woe to those who are wise in their own eyes, who do not know the danger that they are in. And blessed are those who fear the Lord, who do not stray from his commands, who understand they are helpless sheep and for safety cling to Jesus, the good shepherd. So look now back at verses three to five. So the gatekeeper opens to the shepherd. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And what do they do? They follow him. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him. They stay close to him for they know his voice. They trust his voice. They know he's leading them to pasture. They know he will keep them safe from the wolves and the thieves and the robbers and the strangers. And they know that he is no hired hand. So we listen for the voice of Jesus. We follow it and we flee from all other voices. Now, remember what I was saying, that the battlefield that we're on is in the realm of ideas. Ideas about what is good versus evil, what is true and what is false, what is right and wrong. And every message that we're hearing throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout our lives, every message carries with it its own value system behind it. And that's why the writer of Hebrews in chapter 5 tells us to let our power of discernment be trained by constant practice. So to be watchful means to constantly practice discernment, to be alert, and in that alertness, be constantly practicing discernment. And why? The writer of Hebrews says, so that we may distinguish good from evil. Why is this discernment and discerning good from evil, why is that so important? Well, because one of the devil's great strategies, one of the great strategies of our enemy, confuse us about what is good and what is evil. The devil knows that if he can get us to mix up good and evil, the rest will take care of itself. That the stealing and the killing and the destroying that he comes to do will naturally happen when we're confused about what is good and evil. So Isaiah warns the people of Israel. In Isaiah chapter 5, he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. So some time ago, uh, my dad was visiting and uh, he was helping me clear out this enormous brush pile that we had in the back of our yard. And to do that, we rented a wood chipper. Uh, you, you stick the wood in it, it chews it up and spits it out as tiny little wood chips you can use for mulch. Really cool, really fun. So we went, we rented the wood chipper, we came back and we, we started it up, but it didn't seem like it was working too well. And after about a few minutes, it just died completely. We tried again. It started going, but not really. Something was wrong. We eventually had to bring it back to the rental place. And the guy there said, uh, yeah, he blamed it on the manufacturer. This, this brand, we used to carry this other brand, Vermeer. That's the good stuff. This brand, oh, it's a terrible brand. He blamed the manufacturer. Two days later, 
We called back and we said, hey, you know, was the problem fixed? We'd like to still rent the wood chipper. He said, well, what we found out is we accidentally put gasoline in a diesel only engine. Now, I don't know a lot about trucks and cars and things that go, but I know that you cannot put gasoline in a diesel engine. It doesn't work if you mix the fuels. This mixing of the fuel happens when we confuse good and evil, when we don't know which is which, when we don't have our powers of discernment trained by constant practice. The other day I was reading a different article by another ex-evangelical about how conservative Christians are sexually repressive and how damaging this is. And so this author was promoting sexual permissiveness as a good And she was saying that God's designs for sexual purity are bad. She's mixing the fuel. She's putting gasoline in a diesel engine. And now someone reading that article and reading it without discernment, being influenced by this voice, not understanding what's happening to their understanding, their value system is going to walk away from that and perhaps then engage in a sexually permissive lifestyle or allow for more sexual permissiveness in their relationships than they would otherwise, and yet still trying to be a Christian. Now they're confused. And when that happens, things start to break down in that relationship. There'll be a lack of clarity. There'll be a lack of of peace. There'll be difficulty resolving conflict. Things will start to break down and potentially massive amount of hurt and pain. And then when that happens, Likely they'll, they'll blame the manufacturer. Oh, this is God's fault. I'm hurting and God's the one to blame. When the truth is relationships in, in all of life actually works best when we follow the design, when we don't mix the fuels, when by constant practice, we're able to discern good from evil and to hear the voice of Jesus amidst all the competing, competing voices around. So I want to close by asking you this question. Who are the shepherds in your life? Who and what regularly influences your values and beliefs? And especially, I want you to think about the media that you take in day after day, oftentimes without really thinking about it. Do you realize that every time you flip on the news, skim a blog, watch a show, or listen to a song, you're entering the battlefield? Do you know that? Are you discerning about what media, which media, and how much of it you consume? Do you hold these voices that you're listening to up to the standard of John 10? What does Jesus tell us? He says, those who you're going to listen to See if they come in by the door or not, which means what? The voices that you regularly listen to, that you put yourself under their influence, are they friendly to Jesus or are they hostile? Listen to their voice. Do they talk about Jesus? Is it clear that Jesus is influencing them? Does their voice remind you of his voice or is there dissonance between their voice and his? And ask yourself, what is the fruit What's the result of the voices that I'm listening to, of the media that I consume? Does it produce joy, life abundantly, gratitude, a gracious spirit towards others? Or 
does it produce despair, bitterness, anger, and hatred? If it's the latter, then you need to change your media consumption. I believe that most of us actually would do well to be more careful than we are about how much media we consume and which sources we're influenced by. Now, does this mean that we can only read Christian books and only listen to Christian music? No. But it does mean that we do nothing indiscriminately. We test everything. And if I am reading an article or I'm listening uh, to a, a news cast, and, and I know, okay, this person or this news whatever is not someone who's coming in the door. This is not somebody who's super friendly to Jesus. I can still listen, but I do it discerningly, knowing that there's going to be a competing set of values. And I always measure it against the standard of what has Jesus said? What does his voice say? And yes, what are the words of the scriptures? how can we not be misled if we spend more time on social media in a given day than we do meditating on the scriptures? If you have time for social media, you have time for meditating on the word of God. Put the word of God first. And I don't think it's silly or or, or ridiculous to say as much entertainment and leisure time as you spend on social media, at least that much, if not more, you should be spending meditating on the word of God and listening to his voice. Be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. Do this by listening for the voice of Jesus, your good shepherd, who will never lead you astray. And stay close to him. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As a part of that vision, we'd love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.